Chapter Eleven of the Gloved Hand by Burton E. Stevenson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter Eleven Swain's Story. I hate to wake you, Lester, Godfrey said, smiling, but it's nearly four o'clock. Dr. Henman will be here before long, and if you're going to hear Swain's story, you'll have to be getting up. I sat up in bed at once, all trace of sleepiness vanished. "'How is he?' I asked. "'He seems to be all right. He's been up for some time. I haven't said anything to him about last night. I wanted the doctor to see him first. Besides, I thought you ought to be present.' "'I'll be down right away,' I said, and twenty minutes later I found Godfrey and Swain sitting together on the front porch. As Swain returned my greeting, I was relieved to see that his eyes were no longer fixed and staring, but seemed quite normal. "'Mrs. Hargis has your breakfast ready,' said Godfrey, "'and I think I'll join you. Will you come, Mr. Swain?' "'No, thank you,' Swain replied. "'I had my breakfast only about an hour ago. I'll just sit here, if you don't mind.' "'All right,' said Godfrey. "'We won't be long.' And together we went back to the dining-room. Mrs. Hargis was there, and greeted us as though stopping out till dawn and breakfasting at four o'clock in the afternoon were the most ordinary things in the world. A copy of the record was lying, as usual, on the table, and a black headline caught my eye. Worthington Vaughan murdered. Rich recluse strangled to death at his home in the Bronx. I glanced at Godfrey in surprise. Yes, he said, reddening a little. I was just in time to phone the story in for the last edition. I called the doctor first, though, Lester. You must give me credit for that. And it was a beautiful scoop. What time did you get up? I asked. About noon. I sent down the full story for tomorrow morning's paper just before I called you. Any developments? None that I know of. Of course, I haven't heard Swain's story yet. Godfrey, I said, it seems to me that this thing is going to look bad for Swain. I think Goldberger suspects him already. A good deal depends upon his story. Yes, it does, Godfrey agreed. We finished the meal in silence. It was not a long one, for I, at the least, was anxious to get back to Swain. As we rejoined him on the porch, Dr. Hinman's car came up the drive. He got out and shook hands with us. As he greeted Swain, I saw him glance anxiously into his eyes, and saw also that the glance reassured him. "'You're feeling better today?' he said, sitting down by Swain's side. "'Yes,' said Swain quietly. "'I'm feeling all right again.' "'How is Miss Vaughan, doctor?' I asked. Swain jerked around toward the doctor. "'Is Miss Vaughan ill?' he demanded. "'She had a shock last night,' answered the doctor slowly. "'But she's getting along nicely.' she'll have to be kept quiet for a few days i was looking at swain curiously he was rubbing his head perplexedly as though trying to bring some confused memory to the surface of his mind i seem to remember he said that miss vaughan fainted and that i picked her up then he stopped and stared at us is her father dead yes i said and he fell to rubbing his head again i glanced at hinman and he nodded slightly I took it for assurance that Swain might be questioned. Godfrey, who had gone indoors to get some cigars, came back with a handful. All of us, including Swain, lighted up. "'Now, Swain,' I began, "'I want you to tell us all that you remember of last night's happenings. Both Mr. Godfrey and Dr. Hinman are in my confidence, and you may speak freely before them. 
i want them to hear your story because i want their advice there was a pucker of perplexity on swain's face i've been trying ever since i woke up this morning to straighten out my remembrance of last night he began slowly but i haven't succeeded very well at least everything seems to stop right in the middle go ahead i said and tell us what you do remember maybe it will grow clearer as you recall it or maybe we can fill in the gaps begin at the moment you went over the wall we know everything that happened up to that time you remember that clearly don't you oh yes cried swain i remember all that and he settled back in his chair well after i went down the ladder i found myself in a clump of shrubbery and beyond that was a path i knew that the arbour where i was to meet miss vaughan was in the corner of the grounds at the back next to mr godfrey's place so i turned back along the wall leaving the path which curved away from it it was very dark under the trees and i had to go slowly for fear of running into one of them but i finally found the arbour i struck a match to assure myself that it was empty and then sat down to wait once or twice i fancied i heard someone moving outside but it was only the wind among the trees i guess for it was fully half an hour before miss vaughan came i could see how his hand was trembling on the arm of his chair and he paused a moment to collect himself what miss vaughan told me he went on at last and i saw that of the details of the meeting he did not intend to speak convinced me that her father was quite mad much worse than i had suspected i knew of course that he was a student of the supernatural but since the coming of this yogi this what hinman interrupted a yogi swain answered turning toward him is as nearly as i can make out a sort of high priest of hinduism he knows all its secrets and is supposed to be able to do all sorts of supernatural things this fellow who lived with mr vaughan is a yogi mr vaughan was his disciple where did the yogi come from godfrey asked i don't know i don't think miss vaughan knows he arrived with his attendant about six months ago and since then things have gone from bad to worse there has been crystal gazing and star worship and necromancy of all sorts i confess i didn't understand very much of it he added it was all so wild and weird but it ended not only in mr vaughan's becoming a convert to whatever religion it is the yogi practices but in a determination that his daughter should become a priestess of the cult it was from that she wished me to help her escape he stopped and again rubbed his head slowly as i tell it he went on at last it sounds absurd and unbelievable but as she told it there in the darkness with those strange rustlings around us it sent the chills up and down my spine perhaps those orientals do know more about the supernatural than we give them credit for at any rate i know that miss vaughan had been impressed with the yogi's power it fascinated and at the same time horrified her she said he had a hideous snake a cobra which he petted as she would pet a kitten his voice broke off again and he wiped the perspiration from his forehead i myself felt decidedly nervous godfrey threw away his cigar which had broken in his fingers at any rate swain went on i was so upset by what she told me that i could think of nothing to do except to beg her to come away with me at once i remembered my promise to you mr lester but i was sure you would approve i told her about you that it was into your hands the letter had fallen she said she had seen you looking at her from a tree and had known at a glance that she could trust you you didn't tell me you were in a tree he added yes i said awkwardly i was just taking a little look over the landscape rather foolish of me wasn't it 
well it was mighty fortunate anyway she had written the letter but she had no idea how she was going to get it to me you mean she couldn't go out when she wanted to demanded godfrey i gathered from what she told me said swain his face flushing with anger that she has been practically a prisoner ever since the yogi arrived besides even if she had succeeded in mailing the letter it wouldn't have reached me until too late and what way too late her father seems to have had a sudden turn for the worse yesterday he became almost violent in insisting that she consent to his plan he told her that the life of his own soul as well as that of hers depended upon it he threatened i don't know what the yogi talked to her afterwards he of course believed or pretended to believe as her father did moreover he told her that her father would certainly suffer a serious mental shock if she refused perhaps a fatal one in despair she finally agreed on the condition that she be given three days in which to prepare herself if she did not hear from me in that time she made up her mind to consent swain stopped again and i lay back in my chair wondering if such things were possible in this twentieth century here within the boundaries of greater new york my brain reeled at the absurdity of it vaughn was undoubtedly suffering from mania said dr hinman in a low voice the symptoms as mr swain describes them are unmistakable it was that argument i used said swain i told her that since he was clearly mad she must in self-defence place herself beyond his reach but she refused to leave him then i argued in kindness to him she must have him committed to some institution where he would be taken care of and where he might in time regain his sanity i told her that it would be criminal folly to permit him to remain longer under the influence of the yogi she had to agree with me and she finally consented to sign an affidavit to the facts as i have told them and a petition asking that a commission be appointed to examine her father you were to have drawn up the papers to-day mr lester and i was to have taken them to her for signature to-night that would have settled the matter said godfrey thoughtfully it's too bad it wasn't settled in that way what else happened mr swain miss vaughan had grown very nervous with all this discussion and at last she sprang to her feet and said she must go or her father would discover her absence we rose to leave the arbour and at that instant a white-robed figure sprang to her side seized her and tore her away from me i was too startled for an instant to resist then as i started toward them marjorie pushed me back go go she cried it is my father but he stopped me in a voice shaking and husky with rage he warned me that if i entered the place again my life would be forfeit i can't repeat the horrible things he said i could see his eyes gleaming like a wild beast's he cursed me i had never been cursed before and swain smiled thinly and i confess it wasn't pleasant then he led his daughter away i stood staring after them i didn't know what to do i felt like a madman myself i sat down and tried to collect my thoughts i saw that some new plan must be made that there was no hope of meeting marjorie again i was sick with fear for her i thought of following to the house and compelling her to come with me at once and then suddenly i saw two eyes gleaming at me they were not human eyes they were too close together and they were swaying gently back and forth in the air about a foot from the ground i gazed at them fascinated and then i heard a soft low whistle followed by a faint hissing as the eyes fell forward in a flash i knew what it was the cobra i knew why it was there vaughan had said my life was forfeit i sprang up with a shriek dashed along the seat to the door and out into the darkness i struck my head against something a tree i suppose but i kept on and i reached the wall 
and got over it somehow it is all confused after that i seem to remember hearing marjorie scream and finding her lying beside her father who was dead but i can't put things together and he rubbed his head helplessly i'll put them together for you said godfrey when you ran into the tree you suffered a partial concussion it's lucky it wasn't total or toto would have got you toto that i believe is the cobra's name explained godfrey with a smile unless of course there are two of them and he told swain in detail of the events which had followed swain listened with staring eyes i did not blame him indeed i felt that my own eyes were staring a little though i already knew the story but godfrey with a gift of narration born of long newspaper experience told it in a way that made its horror salient and left one gasping there is one question i want to ask you swain he said in conclusion and i want you to think carefully before you answer it during your altercation with mr vaughan did you at any time touch him touch him no of course not and swain shook his head decidedly you are sure of that asked godfrey earnestly perfectly sure said swain looking at him in astonishment i was never within three feet of him godfrey sprang to his feet with a gesture of relief i seem to need a cocktail he said in another tone isn't that the prescription for all of us doctor yes assented hinman smiling and after that complete change of subject end of chapter eleven read by don w jenkins rancho san diego california shaggybark.blogspot.com